Now here we are in Las Vegas. I'm sure with places in America like Savannah, San Antonio, New Orleans, when you think of haunted cities, Las Vegas probably doesn't come to mind. Instead, when you think of Las Vegas, you might picture bright lights, casinos, maybe even a good burlesque show. But did you know that Las Vegas is the suicide capital of America? Yeah, bet you weren't expecting that. Statistics actually show that at least one suicide is committed every day in Las Vegas by locals and tourists. But when you think about it, people come to Vegas for a lot of reasons. Sometimes to disappear completely, sometimes to gamble away their life savings. Now, think about being in a casino on any night of the week and you just lost everything you have. It might push you to do the unthinkable. If you think I'm making this up, well, Google is free, my friend. But have you ever been to Las Vegas and stayed at one of the many hotels? Have you ever wondered why none of the windows will open all the way? This is to prevent people from jumping out of them. But that hasn't stopped people from jumping out of the Stratosphere Tower, Hoover Dam, or even upper-level parking garages. For all you Las Vegas residents, did you know that if you move out of Vegas, your chance of suicide actually decreases by 60%? Well, enough about that. This is the first official episode on the show devoted to ghosts. And tonight I'm going to give you some ghostly tales directly from Sin City, including one of my own. Now I debated with myself on which city's ghost history I should regale you in and I chose Las Vegas because it doesn't get the paranormal attention it deserves. Oh, and I almost forgot the introduction. If you're new here, my name is Anthony Rossetti, your host and curator of all things strange and unexplained, and this is Not Another Horror Podcast. September 2000. Heather Vitarelli grew up in Maui's beaches in Hawaii. She was described by everyone that knew her as a woman of contrast. She was unapologetically fashionable, she was classy, yet she couldn't keep from stopping to help perfect strangers. She was always bringing home strays who often ended up staying with her family for weeks at a time. She loved people. That's what everyone says. She was brought up by her grandparents who had been raised as Quakers in Pennsylvania. She had a lightness of being. New York musician Bob Fitzgerald said if Heather was part of a group out dancing at the clubs, he knew that night would be fantastic. 
He remembered that another one of her friends said about her, once you met her, you couldn't help falling in love with her. Heather had enrolled this fall for her senior year of undergraduate classes in human development at the Contra Costa Satellite Campus of California State University. She planned to work as a counselor or social worker. Heather spent the eight years before she moved to California working and taking classes part-time at Maui's Community College on the island where she grew up. Tap McCall, who taught history and math in the early 1980s at Maui Street Anthony High School, a small school of about 300 students, remembers her as a rebellious beach girl who had a question for everything. Now, the family has roots in many cultures, including American, Italian, Filipino, Hawaiian, Japanese, Pacific, and Quaker. In April 1998, however, the strong multicultural family bonds weren't enough to save Eric Diaz, Heather's younger stepbrother, a world-class surfer who traveled regularly to Australia and Japan to compete. Diaz died from a drug overdose when he was just 18 years old. It changed the course of Heather's life forever. According to family members, she immediately changed. She had a lust for life that was unparalleled. She knew life was short. It changed her dramatically. Vitarelli left her home and headed to California to establish residency before enrolling in school. She worked in the tasting room and retail store at a winery. Las Vegas was never a place that appealed to the rest of Heather's family, but Heather had visited here and Lake Tahoe more than half a dozen times. Her aunt described Las Vegas as the epitome of light and money. It turned everyone off. There are tons of people who go. The old people save their money for years, they get a cheap hotel and get plenty of food, and they think that's great, and they can dress up, but it's so man-made and contrived. I'd just rather take a walk in the park. Heather and her friends had been planning the latest trip to Las Vegas since March. It would be a celebration of three 30th birthdays, all of them in September. Heather would have turned 30 on September 27th. The two friends decided on a king-sized houseboat as the centerpiece to their end-of-summer vacation. Heather's family warned her not to go to any of the casinos or party in Vegas, but Heather wanted to have fun. I mean, we've all been there. Twelve other friends planned to fly in from all over the country. They would spend one night in Las Vegas at Harrah's and then go to Lake Med. They planned a barbecue for the first night on the houseboat. They would wake up the next morning and make a big breakfast. Spaghetti was on the menu for dinner. The group met on the afternoon of September 8th at Harrah's and set off for a day of eating, touring, and gambling. Eight of the friends came back to the strip casino at 1.20 a.m. with plans to gamble a while before going to bed. It was a turnover day, early Friday morning when many tourists at the hotel were enjoying the first of a four-night weekend package. Even at that hour, it was still busy. 
As Heather and three of her friends approached the cashier, Stephen Mullen, who had returned to the casino after allegedly making off with a purse earlier in the evening, nearly knocked over one of the group as he ran off the escalator. They exchanged words. Moments later, that group heard what they thought were firecrackers. Heather said, something's wrong, before she fell to the floor. A friend scooped her up and she lay Heather on her right side so it wouldn't hurt with her head in her lap. She didn't know she had been shot, her friend said. Within 40 seconds, she was gone. Heather was shot by a stray bullet. How did this happen? Stephen Mullen, the robbery suspect, shot a guard in the stomach as officers tried to handcuff him and fired another round that went through the guard's pants leg and into the back of Heather. She had been standing about 35 feet from the struggle. Now the story of Heather doesn't end here. Her ghost still haunts Harris Casino. Plenty of people have had encounters with Heather while staying at Harris Hotel. Some claim to see a beautiful dark-skinned woman in a blue dress with a blue flower on her head, wandering the halls of the hotel. When she walks by, they notice that the back of her head has been shot off. The elevators are another common sighting for Heather. Many claim to have seen her get on the elevator with them and not speak at all. Other people say that they have felt a faint push while in the lobby of Harris. And some speculate that it's Heather trying to push people out of the way to escape the same fate she did. If you're ever at Harris Hotel, be on the lookout. Hey there, it's your host and curator of all things strange and unexplained, Anthony Rossetti, and I just want to have a quick heart-to-heart -heart with you. Now, you've probably been wanting to start your own podcast, but can't seem to get the ball rolling or you just don't know where to start. And trust me, I get it. There are a lot of options out there. It's almost overload. But today I'm going to tell you about the easiest way, and that is to download the Anchor app or visit anchor.fm to start your own podcast stress-free. No complicated software or membership fees. It's all free. And they'll even distribute it for you on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can even start earning money right now with no minimum listenership. Download the Anchor app to get started today. Now, let's get back to the show. Now, in an old hoodoo superstition down here, it warns us to never let anyone take your picture because that picture can capture a part of your soul. In fact, anything that resembles you can hold a piece of you. One thing in particular might stand out to you in Las Vegas. Wax figures. Madame Tussauds is one of the most recognizable attractions to grace the Las Vegas Strip. It houses many wax figures Depicting celebrities and important people within, during the day it bustles with tourists eager to snap a lifelike photograph with their favorite big names. But at night, it bustles 
with spirits. The Madame Tussauds venue actually occupies the space which formerly made up the old Copa room. It is believed that some spiritual energy from this point in time has ingrained itself within the space. Staff who work inside the attraction after hours have reported hearing the sounds of unexplainable laughter, the clinking of glasses, and even citing the apparition of a man dressed in 1970s-style clothing passing through the area. Security guards are even afraid to be there at night because they felt cold hands push them from the back. But we aren't here to talk about that today. Today, we are here to talk about a wax figure that is claimed to be inhabited by the soul of someone very famous, Tupac Shakur. Now, for those of you who don't know, Tupac was killed just down the street from Madame Tussauds' building, the corner of Flamingo and Caval. This is where the rapper Tupac Shakur was famously gunned down in Las Vegas back in 1996. It happened while he was in a car driven by music mogul Shook Knight. They were traveling away from the strip on Flamingo and stopped at a red light on Caval when gunfire erupted from a car that pulled up on the right-hand side. Shakur died in the hospital six days later. It is a pivotal moment in music history, and the identity of the shooter is a mystery that remains unsolved to this day. Some fans believe Shakur's ghost still haunts the intersection, and there have been sightings of a person in a bandana who looks just like him. Maybe that explains why his estate has been able to release more music after his death than when he was actually alive. But people who visit his figure at the Wax Museum claims to see him move from time to time. If you look in his eyes, it's almost as if he's staring back at you. Security guards claim that they will see his hands one way and when they walk past him again at night, they are in a different position. Ghost adventurer Zach Bagans also said he had a paranormal experience with the figure. He said there's definitely some unexplained activity there. We particularly had some physical experiences and unusual readings on our male meter scientific equipment, especially near Tupac Shakur's wax figure. Things that make you go, hmm. Now, I'm not a fan of wax figures anyway, so this adds a whole new layer. But since we're on the subject of intersections in Las Vegas, are you familiar with the stretch of Sand Hill Road between Olive Avenue and Charleston Boulevard? Well, it's said to be haunted as well. Rumor has it that a deceased couple hunts the underground tunnels beneath this intersection. Whispers and moans have been heard coming from deep within. As the tunnels are only about three feet high, this makes the idea of an actual moaning person in there quite unlikely and fuels the legend that the tunnels and the roads are haunted. And then there's the inexplicable apparition of an old woman who chases motorists on the adjacent dirt road but disappears when cars leave her street. 
Whether you believe that or not, fact can be much scarier than fiction. Have you ever heard of the mole people of Las Vegas? No, they aren't some urban legend. They are very real people. You see, behind the glowing skylines of Las Vegas, thousands of people are living out the American dream day in and day out. Visitors drink, party, and gamble in countless casinos, but most of them are totally unaware of the parallel worlds running just underneath their feet. More than 1,000 homeless people have found refuge in the dark sewage tunnels underneath the city of Las Vegas. They are people whose American dream, unfortunately, was never fulfilled and instead only became an American nightmare. Under Las Vegas, there are thousands of concrete pits. They are there to drain rainwater away after it storms, but when it doesn't rain, the tunnels remain dry and become a place for the self-described mole people to live in. However, when it does rain, a flash flood sweeps along the homeless people's camps, taking along all of their belongings with it. One rule that they have here is to not die in the tunnels. It brings unwanted attention. This isn't a safe place for anyone, not even the ones who have been there for years. There are no cameras anywhere and some have gone missing to never be seen again. For a population that's always in danger from the society that casts them out, some aren't that kind to one another either. One homeless person simply known as Lady Apostle said, It's hard to shake me, but the worst thing I saw down here was an artist who lived down here getting his fingers cut off by another homeless person. In the book Beneath the Neon Lights, which you should definitely read, you can read all the first-hand accounts from these people. One woman who preferred to remain unknown describes it as a dark everywhere, and the only light comes from flashlights if they can even afford batteries. You can't tell whether it's day or night, she says. Sometimes when our clock says six o'clock, you don't know whether it's six o'clock in the morning or in the evening. If some light comes in at the end of the tunnel, we know it's daytime. Not knowing whether it's day or night is probably the only similarity people have there to those gambling away in the sparkling casinos right above them. A survivor known as Halfpent talks about the traumas she encountered in these tunnels. It's where a group of men beat her, raped her, and yanked out two of her teeth and two of her fingernails. For eight months, she lived among the strange smells and spiders. In the book, Dark Days, Bright Nights, she recalls in gruesome detail about what happened there. She said, I was scared shitless. I got fucked up and was raped numerous times by a group of men, she said. When I came to, I started trying to be Miss Martial Artist, and I was raped again. I passed out. When she woke up, the men were gone. 
She then says, I went through their stuff and stole their pills and pipes. Big mistake. I went deeper into the tunnel, but they found me and beat me up again. They said, that'll teach you not to do that again. Next came a roach clip attached to her fingernails. I didn't learn from that either. I kept stealing from them. That cost me two more teeth. These stories are horrifying and tragic on their own without any paranormal twist. At the start of this podcast, I mentioned one haunted hotel. Now, let's take you to another. Circus Circus. If you've ever went to Las Vegas last minute on a budget, like most of us, you might be familiar with this one already. The circus-themed casino was built in the late 1960s, and the man who established it was also in charge of developing the world-famous Caesar Palace Casino. Another very haunted place, by the way. If you have watched Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, you definitely know how Circus Circus Casino looks. Circus Circus was supposed to be a family casino, but some strange things have happened inside it. After it opened, the casino started running out of money fast, and the owner, Sarno, managed to get a $23 million loan to make a hotel next to the casino. However, the loan was obtained from the mafia. If that's not odd enough, Circus Circus is allegedly haunted. First off, when the mafia got involved, the mob constantly used the casinos as their headquarters, and they used to throw people out of windows and do all sorts of illegal stuff. There were many murders on the site. One that stands out is a mother who killed her child and committed suicide in room 123. It is said that her ghost still haunts the room. And people have reported hearing cries and screams and even saw the figure of the murdered boy. In another story, one night, three people were murdered in the kitchen. After that, people started hearing and seeing strange things in Circus Circus. The poker rooms are said to be haunted by cries or screams. And people have heard those sounds in the rooms. The most haunted rooms are 576, 230, 123, and 203. Now me, myself, I've never stayed at Circus Circus. My cheap hotel of choice has always been Excalibur. I mean, who doesn't like to feel like they're in a castle, right? The Excalibur Hotel has its own ghost stories. Excalibur is among the biggest hotel casinos on the planet. And it has everything a Vegas casino should have, but in a King Arthur theme. It is said that floor number 10 of the casino is very haunted. The guests who stay on that floor have allegedly reported hearing whispers and experiencing sudden cold spots. Some even said they felt like an unnatural presence was following them. Others have reported hearing strange phone calls in the middle of the night and weird sounds coming from the TVs. 
No one knows anything about the cause of these hauntings, but hundreds of people have reported their scary experiences in the casino. On December 14, 2012, a man shot and fatally wounded a woman, then killed himself. Witnesses on the casino floor said they noticed many distraught people suddenly running for the exits after apparent gunshots. Amid the panic, many poker players were seen abruptly leaving their tables and their personal effects. Police and casino security had taped off an area near the registration desk where the man's body lay. The reason? Because the victim did not want to be with him anymore. He made multiple trips to the hotel to try and get her attention. Some people say, you can still hear gunshots at night in the hotel lobby and on the casino floor. But I've stayed at this hotel numerous times and I've never had a single paranormal experience. <laughs> Until last July. Now let me tell you my own ghost story. Last July, I booked a trip to Lake Tahoe with a friend. The only flight option at the time had a 24-hour layover in Las Vegas. So, I thought, what the hell? Who doesn't love a good night in Vegas? The city itself was still pretty much locked down, so nothing to really do but walk around and sightsee or stay in the hotel. Now, this was in the middle of July, so it was unbearably hot no sightseeing for me during the day at least so i decided to go to my hotel and check in and take a nap now most people claim to have the most paranormal experiences on floor 10 but i was on floor 15. when i get to the door and try to open it it will not open my key didn't work annoyed I go back to the elevator and back to the help desk. She gives me a new key and I make my way across the casino floor to the tower elevator. This time, the key works. But I notice something strange. The room is like a microwave. I try to brush it off and check to see if for some reason the heat was on. It wasn't. I figured because the room was facing the sun that that must be the issue and it needed to cool off first. So I lowered the blinds and I turned the air on full blast and left the room. I go get something to eat and come back maybe an hour and a half later. The air is blowing but the room is still unbearably hot. Maybe the AC is broken I thought. Well. It's about to be night soon, so I'll just try to take a nap and maybe my southern body will adjust to this dry Las Vegas heat. I fall asleep around 7 and I wake up around 9 p.m. The TV is on. I didn't turn it on. I get the remote and I turn it off. I fall back asleep for maybe a good 40 minutes and then I wake up again. This time... The bathroom light is on. I was confused as to why it was on. So, I got up and turned it off and got back in the bed. Now, one thing you should know about me is I'm a very spiritual person. 
So, I kind of felt like maybe something was in the room already. But, this is a hotel and I only had to last the night. So, I stuck it out. I noticed the room was hot, but you know, us millennials too afraid to complain. I watched some TikTok videos on my phone and then tried to go back to sleep. I fall asleep and wake up an hour later. This time, the room is pitch black. It wasn't that dark when I fell asleep. I felt like someone was watching me, but I didn't see anything. I felt this unbearable sadness come over me. I started to have really dark thoughts while just laying there. I was so happy for this trip, but now all of a sudden I felt like everything was pointless. Life was pointless. I even started to cry. And I was just hit with so many dark emotions. I fall asleep again and this time I wake up at around 12.30 a.m. And this is what would make me leave the room. When I woke up this time, I was not alone. My phone was on the right side of the bed on the nightstand. I was sleeping on the left side of the bed. I was terrified because when I woke up, I realized someone was laying right beside me. Now, I was with someone for 11 years, so I know what it feels like when someone is in bed with you. I was too afraid to turn around, too afraid to speak, too afraid to try and rationalize. I finally gathered the courage to jump out of the bed and turn around. When I did, there was nothing there. I immediately went down to the lobby and asked for another room. They gave me one. The other room was on the same floor, but it was immediately a sigh of relief. When I went in, the room was cool and comfortable. I no longer felt this sadness and felt like myself again. I'll never know what that was, but take my advice. Stay out of room 1523. Now let me bring you to the last story for tonight. Excalibur's Neighbor. The Luxor Hotel. In the thick of the Las Vegas Strip stands an immense, glossy, jet-black pyramid. It is difficult to see through the onyx glass. The pyramid has no markings. At night, an eerie beam of bright white light shoots skyward from the pyramid's north point, visible for miles and miles beyond any direction. In front, a lone sphinx reclines, a perpetual emptiness in his eyes, taken in at once. The area is an uncanny reinterpretation of ancient Egypt. It is a slice of a faraway era and desert place in the midst of another desert. Even viewing it in photos can induce a feeling of uneasiness. At the very front of the property, an obelisk inscribed Luxor finally reveals the name of the property. The outwardly ominous appearance of the Luxor Las Vegas Hotel and Casino is no coincidence. 
Since its construction, the Luxor has been a magnet for strange, chaotic energy and tragic events. Fights, terrorism, disease outbreaks, fatal accidents, and of course, suicides. The Luxor debuted on the Vegas Strip in October 1993 after only 18 months of construction. At 30 stories, the Luxor Pyramid is three quarters the size of the Great Pyramid of Giza. It's inspiration. The Luxor's Pyramid's light beam is the strongest beam of light in the world, visible even to pilots flying hours away in Southern California. Inside, its interiors are lined with murals and statues depicting Egyptian iconography, mirroring the strongly thin exterior. The resort is also home to the only full-scale reproduction of King Tut's tomb outside of Egypt. The Hotel Casino was the creation of Circus Circus Enterprises, an early example of the short-lived, family-friendly era of Vegas. The Luxor was intended to be a resort aimed at children as much as adults. With an Egyptian theme and sleek design, the resort strived to appeal to both families seeking theme park-like experiences and a wealthier clientele than the Circus Circus crowd. Of course, in the wake of the string of deaths it's dubiously mysteriously caused, it's darkly ironic to consider how family-oriented the Luxor was once designed to be. William Bennett, then CEO of Circus Circus Enterprises, was efficient. Too efficient. He managed to keep the Luxor's opening costs low at all costs. The Luxor's initial costs were only $375 million, a number dwarfed by its rival and contemporary the Mirage, which opened at $630 million. However, Bennett's financial efficiency did not come without another prize tag. Lives. Construction wasn't completed by the time the Luxor opened. As a result, some guests stayed in rooms that weren't entirely finished. The hotel's elevator system called inclinators, due to how they followed the hotel's slanted shape at a 39-degree angle, didn't work correctly. Not long after opening, the building itself was literally sinking into a soft spot, which was highly uncommon for the typical hard desert floor. It is quite likely that the resort's construction was a rush job on a tight deadline that couldn't be met. In the process, at least two construction workers reportedly, as it is believed that their deaths were covered up to protect the resort's reputation, died. Some local sources suggest as many as seven workers perished in building the Luxor, perhaps significantly due to the main pyramid's steeply sloping shapes. The Luxor's construction is considered to have been extremely difficult and dangerous. The resort's construction may very well remain the most treacherous construction process in the history of the Strip. The fallen workers have not gone completely forgotten, however. At times, essentially in quiet parts of the hotel, the ghosts of the construction workers can be seen. When the Luxor's Nile riverboat ride was still operational, some guests claimed to have seen their ghosts roaming the tunnels. They are far from the only paranormal presences within this complex. 
Since its construction, the Luxor has been plagued with remarkably bad luck. More specifically, its guests, visitors, and employees have suffered. In September 1996, just a few years after the Luxor's opening, a woman jumped from the 26th story of the hotel, falling to her death. Immediately, the woman died from severe head injuries. Police officer Sergeant Bill Keaton said it was over very quickly. Her injuries were so severe that she could not be readily identified and she carried no identification on her. The woman landed by the old buffet's entrance. Where shortly after, her death was completely thoroughly cleared out and converted into a food court. How quaint. It's never been made evident why the woman jumped. Her sadly very real death has become the stuff of morbid legend. Stories that she was a sex worker who, grieving a recent HIV diagnosis, killed herself, have proliferated in the decades since the woman's death. Like the construction workers, her ghost is believed to haunt the 26th floor, as if, also like them, her spirit is trapped in the last place where she was alive. This woman is not the only Luxor occupant to have fallen, intentionally or not, to her death. There have been at least a few other falls, such as a man falling to his death from the 10th floor. His death, unlike the woman, has never been ruled a suicide. In May 2007, in the Luxor's parking garage, a coffee cup was left atop the car of a 24-year-old Luxor food court employee. When the employee went to remove the cup, the cup exploded. A homemade explosive device was inside this cup. The employee died from shrapnel inside the tomb. Two men were later convicted of creating and placing the bomb, but they didn't know the victim. Furthermore, there was no apparent motive as to why they made or left the bomb. In June 2010, in a suite at the Luxor, a former University of Nevada Las Vegas football player, Demario Reynolds, got into an altercation with Jason Sindelaire, a mixed martial artist fighter. According to police, the two men were friends. But Sindelaire and his girlfriend's fighting fatally destroyed their friendship. During a party, Sindelaire and his girlfriend verbally fought in the Luxor suite. Reynolds intervened. He asked the MMA fighter to leave the party. Witnesses reported that Sindelar was highly drunk and angry. The fighter then attempted to grab his girlfriend by the throat and hit her. Reynolds further intervened, trying to restrain the fighter in a bear hug on the bathroom floor. After a short while, Reynolds let him go and went into the main bedroom. Sindelar followed. Punches were exchanged. Their first fight was broken up quickly. The fighter left the suite. Unfortunately for Reynolds, the conflict didn't end there. Sindelar soon returned to the suite. He lunged at Reynolds and proceeded to strike him in the chest and head. The fighter pulled the other man to the floor and continued to hit him relentlessly. The fight was broken up again. 
Party attendees contacted security by the time Reynolds was taken to Desert Springs Hospital. He had already been brutalized too badly. He died from his injuries at the hospital. Naturally, such fighting is woefully not unusual when alcohol and tempers come into play, but this fight, unlike the average intoxicated spat, abruptly ended in death. If you recall the Luxor's inclinators mentioned earlier, you remember that they are the odd, diagonal elevators at the resort. That detail is important as even that aspect of the Luxor is seemingly cursed. In 2012, an airman from Nealis Air Force Base got into a fight with a colleague in the first floor lobby at the Luxor's West Tower. The colleague pushed the airman against an elevator door, which then inexplicably opened, despite no elevator compartment being present. The airman fell 25 feet down the empty shaft to the basement level. He was taken to the hospital in critical condition. In the six years since the fall, there have been seemingly no clear updates on the man's condition, other than some sources stating that he later died from his injuries. As if the Luxor didn't already have a history of troubling incidents in 2012, the resort faced bacterial contamination that led to three hotel guests falling ill. Worse, after the first two cases, the Luxor's water was tested but no bacteria showed up on the test. This mysterious discrepancy likely allowed the bacteria to somehow go undetected long enough to later contaminate and kill the third affected guest. There are a wide variety of theories as to why the Luxor has been the site of so much strife. Perhaps... The horrific events at the Luxor are in no small part due to the resort's Egyptian theming. The Luxor imported reproductions of ancient Egyptian artifacts from Egypt for its King Tut replica display. Touting truly traditional craftsmanship, the methods and materials used to create the replicas were the same as those in ancient Egypt. Unfortunately, this careful attention to detail and cultural importance did not extend to the rest of the property. One common theory, the Luxor has been cursed for its inattention to ancient Egyptian beliefs. The Luxor only has one sphinx. Purportedly having two sphinxes is essential to protect the pyramid, as is thought to be the case with the original Great Pyramid of Giza. There was likely another sphinx by it that was destroyed. Most importantly, the shape of the pyramid is thought to inherently have mystical properties and possibly even attract dark energy. Unless an eye or the shape of one is one day placed at the top of the pyramid, the Luxor's pyramid will supposedly remain cursed forever. Further, guests of certain superstitious cultures have been reluctant to even enter the Luxor due to it being modeled after a tomb, which is thought to bring bad luck. Not ideal when you're seeking out a place to gamble. The most popular theory as to why the Luxor is possibly cursed is rooted more in American history than any kind of supernatural superstitions. Where the Luxor now sits was once the site of a popular burial ground for mobsters' victims, as it was at the time off the beaten path. As is common knowledge, a property built atop a graveyard never has good fortune.
No matter what the explanation, the Luxor has been indisputably an epicenter of grievous incidents for the city of Las Vegas. Well, here we are at the end of this episode, and it was a long one. I think my longest yet. I really hope you enjoyed it. There are more Vegas stories I have for you that I'll tell you at a later time. And if you're ever in town, be sure to take the ghost tour. As always, stay safe, stay sane, and 